0: this morning we're starting a new sermon series. If you um pay attention to the bulletin, you'll notice a new little graphic on the front called First Things First. Uh, this is that time of year where everybody makes pointless resolutions to exercise more or lose weight. And the challenge is uh, when it comes to your resolutions, man, don't waste them. Like There's nothing wrong with... Um, working on your beach body, or um, developing your confidence, you know, if that waistline gets a little thinner. Nothing wrong with that. And yet there are so many things about our spiritual life about which we really truly need to be resolved. Because uh, let's face it, let's face it, as good as God has been in 2019, every single one of us, if, if we went around with a mic, which would freak some people out, and said, is there an area in your Christian life where you could grow? If you were honest and you were serious, there would not be a single person here who would not have something to say. If you didn't have something to say, that may be a bigger, that may be an indication of a bigger problem that is there. But I want to do something really audacious today, okay, because there are two kinds of people in the world, uh, you know, people who make resolutions and people who don't, and I am, I am audaciously going to lay out a resolution for you. Because when we talk about first things first, we're talking about those things that are important that, that every person would say, yes, this is important. So what we're talking about today is prayer. Now, on one level, everybody gives the Sunday school answer. Is prayer important? And God's people said, amen. So we, we, we talk about prayer, and maybe we even ask you about your practice of prayer. Do you pray? Well, yes. But that's a trick question, because everybody in here would say that they pray, But if I ask, when was the last time you prayed and meant it, how long has it been? Dinner last night? Waking up this morning? Last time you were in the hospital? Might have been a while. You've prayed the stuck in a rut prayers for for a while, but everybody everybody says prayer is important and everyone would agree that it's important. I think if we even did a survey and we asked How important is daily prayer to you? Do you pray every day? I think think we would easily be over 50%, which is about the the nationwide mark for Christians. About 50% of churchgoers pray every day. I don't know if that's good news or bad news because that means there's 50% of churchgoers who do not pray every day. However, if we turn the question around from your practice of prayer to your satisfaction with your prayer life, what happens to that 50% number? nosedive, belly flop into the community pool. I mean, it is glorious. We ask about satisfaction in prayer life, and I'd be surprised. I think I'd be optimistic to say that that number would be in the teens. A lot of people say, I pray, and I pray, and I pray, and I don't see anything. I don't get what I'm asking for. I, I don't I don't know there's any purpose to that. So today, we're going to do something different. As we talk about first things first and the importance of prayer, I'm not going to give this not a how-to sermon, okay? Um, I, I think probably half of you could get up here and in five minutes give a good how-to, how to pray. You know, um, you, you you pray about this, you pray about that. This is not a how-to. This is the question behind the question, why? What's the purpose of prayer? Why do we pray? And so uh, here's the challenge. We get prayer wrong pretty easily, even in my illustration. Like, I pray and I pray and pray and I don't get anything out of it. Well, you're assuming that the point of prayer is for you to get what you ask for. Kind of like, you know, what's uh, Burger King's motto? Is it still their motto? Your way, right away. Is that it? Have it it your way. Somebody has your way, your way, right away. Um, And we bring kind of sometimes that same kind of mentality into our prayer life. Like, all right, God, here's my wish list. Um, Please deliver as soon as possible. And you can leave it on the doorstep without anyone having to sign for it. Just get to me quickly. Um, Prayer is rightly defined as talking to God. But let's, let's stop here for a second if you talk to God the way that you talk to most normal people, that's probably why your prayer life is terrible. Like, do we talk to God like we talk to our dog? Do we talk to God like we talk to our spouse? For some people, that might be a good thing. For some people, that might not be so good. Do you talk to God like you talk to your kids? Do you talk to God like you talk to your neighbor? No, 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 no. Prayer is rightly defined as talking to God, but it's not like other talking. It's more than that. So, in conducting some research related to prayer priorities, Lifeway Christian Resources, uh, they're a, a Southern Baptist entity, but they serve all kinds of denominations. So they, they did a research project nationwide on prayer priorities, and they discovered what is probably not a surprise that if we are asked, if we are surveyed about our prayer priorities, that there is an immense disproportion of prayers that are directed at us. My blessings, my circumstances, my family, my finances, my health, and a corresponding paltry proportion of our prayers that are directed to God or for others. Does that surprise you? This is yes. This is no. It doesn't surprise me. We are so self-focused in our prayers. So here's the challenge. <laughs> when you do a survey, people have to be honest. Okay? So here's what they said. People admitted, thousands of people admitted, and by argument, they surveyed 5,000 people. They found statistically significant correlations to be able to extrapolate that to other people. Here's what people admitted to praying for. You ready for this? 25% of Christians admitted that they pray for bad things to happen to people who have hurt them. Don't laugh because it might be the person sitting next to you on the pew. And here's, here's, here's the disclaimer. These are people that admitted it. <laughs> Thank you. Somebody gets it. Everybody else lied. So it's more than 25% that prayed for God to put the whammy on somebody because you didn't do something that I like. 21% admitted that they prayed to win the lottery. Um, based on your odds, um, prayer might be the only way that you win the lottery. 20% prayed for success in an effort in which they put forth little effort. This is every student everywhere who realizes it's final exam time and they have not studied. God, please, help me. Um, no, you've had six weeks to, uh, you know, use the brain that I've given you to study and to be, be prepared. Um, no. 20 uh, yeah, 20% admitted that they prayed for success in an effort for which they had not, they had not put forth any effort. 15%, have prayed that the bad things that they had done would go undiscovered. Let's perpetuate the lie. I want everybody to think I'm a good person. I don't want them to know what I've done. Thirteen um, percent, and I'm uh, this is I'm not contextualizing this at all. But thirteen percent of, of American Christians have admitted that they have prayed for a team to win a game. <clears throat> Patrick Murphy uh, <clears throat> next <clears> on <throat> Monday. Um, go Clemson, and. Um, 7% each have admitted that they have prayed for a parking spot or that they would not get caught speeding. You know how you get caught not speeding? Don't speed. You know, you, don't, you, don't, you don't have to get God involved in that. So here's what's radical about this. Like, people admitted to this stuff. Some people admitted to this stuff. Other people lied about it. And, and other people are like, yeah, that's all right. So here, here's, here's here's my goal this morning. In, in Ephesians one eighteen. Paul prays for the believers at the Ephesian church to have their eyes of their heart enlightened. That's a weird thing to think about. So you you don't think of your heart having eyes, but think of some little heart emoji. It's got little googly eyes on it. He's praying for the eyes of their heart to be enlightened. And that's that's my goal here this morning is, again, not to preach a how-to, but to get to the question behind the question, to say how do we enlighten and encourage all of us in our prayer lives this morning? Because if your prayer life is a drab ritual, you're not doing it right. Prayer should be something that we delight in. And so I asked this question. What if, what if, instead of getting something out of prayer, prayer's the actual gift? What if prayer is the gift? Not what you get out of prayer, but the opportunity to communicate with God. Uh, it's been said, and I think rightly so. Though I'm going to take, I'm going to take a little bit of um, issue with this. It's been said that prayer is to help build intimacy with God. Uh, listen, the minute you say that, every guy in the room is like, "Check, please. No, not interested. We don't like that word, intimacy." For for some of us, uh, emotional or communication intimacy is hard enough in our families, let alone intimacy with God. Now, listen. Here's here's my exception to that. I think intimacy with God, having a close relationship, that's the goal. Okay. But that's algebra for a bunch of people who don't know how to add and subtract. Here's, here's where I think the, the goal is that's a little more cookies on the bottom shelf. If intimacy is the goal, what about right now? I think in a much simpler way, it's easier to say that prayer is designed for this purpose. This is why we pray. Not how we pray. This is why we pray. Because prayer is designed to teach us our absolute, complete, and total dependence on God. Dependence on God. And I think if you're approaching prayer as, you know, genie in a bottle, wish list, here's what I need, you know, please deliver it, Amazon.God, whatever, you know, quickly, I think we're, we're approaching it wrong. And so when I say dependence, um, this is a really hard thing, and it may be harder for those of you that are older. Um, here's, what's, here's what's strange. I see young people uh, much more willing to admit brokenness I see, I see older people maybe a little more proud. Those are really broad brushstrokes. Um, but I think you can see this certainly in mental health. I mean, mental health is, um, among our young people, it's in the 75th percentile range. Everybody is struggling with mental health issues. You have never seen that in a previous generation because other generations would bottle it in and never express it. So now we have young people that um, aren't afraid of expressing it. And so uh, some, some strange th- things here when we think through um, uh, issues related to prayer. Uh, but when we talk about dependence, here's, here's my concern. I like the word dependence, but we we live in a generation that is, I pulled myself up by my own bootstraps, I'm a self-made man, I'm going to do it myself, and, and that can't be the nature of your relationship with God. Like, if you can be a self-made man and pull yourself up by your own bootstraps, then you're dependent upon yourself and you're not dependent upon God, and I don't want to be a self-made man, I want to be a God-made man. It's really what I want. And I can't get where I need to get to on my own. I don't have the strength. I don't have the resources. I am completely and totally dependent upon God. Not in the sense of desperation, okay? So uh, there is some desperation involved. And I want to clarify. I want to be careful with my language here because if there's one point that you're going to get, I want it to be this. Prayer is to teach you your dependence on God. Not your independence, not your resources, but to teach you to be dependent upon God. And it's not despair because not everything about life is terrible. The Bible says that God is a good father who delights to give his children good gifts. So think about Christmas. Just, you know, a few days past, We did things for our kids or our family. We enjoy buying presents because it's a way for us to express love in the same way it is with God. Not everything about life is desperate, but we are dependent upon him. One of my um, son's gifts was a... um, video game for Christmas. And uh, when you delight in something, you want other people to participate in that with you. And I am chronologically challenged with playing the video games that my my child plays. And so there's this one um, adventure that the main character is on, that he happens to kind of fall off a path on a mountain. And he falls onto an angled, icy slope, to which he slides down the mountain. And the problem is, at the end of this slide, there's a chasm about you know 30 feet wide that you have to jump off the chasm at just the right time and grab this rope, swing across to be able to. It's like, it's like Pitfall back in my day, just with much cooler graphics. And so the problem is, to make it a little bit more realistic, the little characters stand on his feet, but he's like this because he's on ice. So my controller is not just waiting for me to push buttons. My controller is shaking. I'm like, all right, how hard is it for me to push the buttons? Now my controller's shaking. And he's like, well, if you just do left, right, up, down, left, right, left button, right trigger, you do it just right. I'm like, well, what was it again? Left, right, up, down. I can't do it. My thumbs are too slow. They are too fat. And, and my son is over there getting exasperated at what a boomer his dad is because I can't, I can't jump the chasm. The adventure is over. And the point is, in that, in that video game, if this guy does not grab that rope, he doesn't make it over. The, the adventure is over. And in the same sense, everything that you have has been given you by God. Um, the good things, the bad things, um, have been arranged by a sovereign father. The, the eccentricities that make you special, and I don't mean that in a bad way, the, the eccentricities that make you you, because everybody's unique. Um, those things that make your spouse like you, opposed to everybody else that she could have married. Um, now, some of those are annoying, but some of those are really endearing. Those things that make you you, your personality, your temperament, your corny jokes, your family history. Um, you didn't create that. God gave that to you. We are completely and totally dependent upon Him for everything. And I think this is the, the biggest challenge to understand that prayer is a way for us to express our dependence upon God. And if you give me just a few minutes, I think we'll be able to bear that out with the passage that we look at here this morning. We'll be looking at a really familiar passage, uh, something that you're, um, a beloved passage. In Matthew chapter six, Jesus uh, gives the model prayer. Some of it, some people refer to it as the Lord's prayer. Uh, Jesus refers to it as um, the model prayer. And he, he does something in verses, um, the verses leading up to the Lord's prayer in verses five, six, seven, and nine. And he teaches us that Jesus thinks of prayer as something that is natural and a repetitive occurrence. So when Jesus talks about our prayer life, Jesus thinks of prayer as a natural and repetitive occurrence. So it's natural. It's not weird. Like, if you go home tonight, all right, I'm stepping on toes, okay? If you go home tonight and you say, hey, honey, after dinner tonight, can we spend some time in prayer? And she goes, who are you and what did you do with my husband? not a little bit of a problem. If you say, "Hey kids, tonight after dinner we're going to spend some time in prayer." What? Prayer should be natural. It should be natural. Um strange strange thing and I won't mention which kid. I'll just say kids. <clears throat> and I don't have permission, so I'm going to have to I'm going to have to keep this really vague. But when discipline was administered in my house when my kids were younger, um, man, kids can make you angry. Anybody know that? Like, they can do some really goofy things. You're like, don't you dare talk to your mother that way. Um, but I, 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 never got instruction related to this, and I, I don't think I've ever read a book that's ever talked about this. Um, but just something that I think I stumbled upon because I needed help. And, uh, left to myself, I'd be a terrible father. Left to my flesh, left to who I am, is, um, before I would administrate the, um, Board of Correction to the seat of education. Um, I'd say, so here's what we're going to do. We're going to pray. And we're going to bring the Almighty Father into this conversation. Because you just talked to, you talk to your mother, my wife, in a way that you should never talk. And um, I have a responsibility to exercise discipline, to exercise authority in such a way that it makes you live under His authority well. And I am not capable. I am capable of spanking your butt. I am not capable of being a good authority, apart from the help of the Spirit. And so we would pray, and we would have God right there in the (laughs) midst of discipline, which amazingly did a couple neat things when it comes to discipleship, which is the root for that is discipline. Number one, it got my heart right. I have never spanked my kids angry, ever. I cannot pray those kinds of prayers and have my heart wrong. Number two, The prayers were probably more effective than the spankings were. My kids hated it when I prayed because now I made it more of an issue of them disrespecting their mom to now you are rejecting God's authority in your life because God has given you loving parents who have a responsibility to do this. And uh, I I think that's why we got through discipline um, quicker than most people. You know, By the time your kids are seven or eight, if you're still disciplining, you may just have an incorrigible personality, your kid might, um, but I think if you do things well and by the book, um, discipline should only be it for a season. You know, there are other things because they still continue to be sinners. Um, but physical discipline should, should only be for a season of life. If your kid's 24 and you're still bending them over your knees, you got issues. You know, see a doctor. Um, but um, I had to make that a natural part of our life, you know. I mean, how, how many sermons have you heard on prayer discipline? Um, I, I've never heard one. But yet, I knew for my own sanctification and to, to reach the heart of my kids that praying about discipline, as goofy as it sounds, was really an important thing. So when it comes to prayer being natural and repetitive, how's that working out for you? Is it natural? And when I mean repetitive, I don't mean that you're stuck in a rut, that every night for dinner for the last 25 years, you've prayed the exact same prayer. There's nothing wrong with Repetition. And when I say repetitive, I mean it's a naturally occurring thing. Here's how uh, God says it in verse 5, 6, 7, and 9. We're just going to look at the beginning of it. He says, and when you pray, verse 5, verse 6, but when you pray, verse 7, and when you pray, verse 9, pray then like this. But Jesus is assuming before he gives instruction on prayer on how to do it, he's assuming that it's going to just happen. So when we talk about a discipleship measure, have you checked in with God? When's the last time you prayed and were not in a hurry to get through? Yeah, have you ever been hurried in prayer? Well, God, I'm done with my list. Ding, delivered. <laughs> you know what I need. Um, it's a challenge. <clears throat> the verse nobody likes about prayer. 1 Thessalonians 5.17. Anybody know what it says? It's really short. It's going to be on the screen here. Boom. Let's see it. 1 Thessalonians 5.17. It says pray that season. How you doing at that one? Does that mean you have to quit your job? I mean, you, you know, you, kids, you're going to have to fend for yourself. No dinner. Mama's not cooking tonight because I have to pray without ceasing. Try that. That's not going to work real well in your household. I love the, um, the Puritans. The Puritans were perhaps the denomination or the Christian group in history that were most um, articulate about the things of the word and most disciplined about the things of the word. They wanted to be people of the book. And so there's a ministerial convention. They get together at someone's house and they're they're talking about this verse. First Thessalonians 5.17. What in the world does it mean to pray without ceasing? There are sick people to visit. There are lost people to evangelize. There are bills to pay. There are things to fix. There are meetings to administrate. We have other things to do. How can we stop everything else to pray? And so they commissioned um, a couple of the ministers to get together over the next month, and to come back to the next month's meeting to report on what it means to pray without ceasing. What one the pastor that was hosting it in his home had a teenage daughter that was serving the men. I guess it was in England, tea and cookies, whatever it is, tea and crumpets, and she was incredulous that the ministers needed a month to figure out what it means to pray without ceasing. And of course, they're thinking we have to stop everything else in order to pray. And she says, why do you need a month to figure this out? To which the ministers, in perhaps a very self-righteous way, say, well, young lady, have you figured out what it means to pray without ceasing? And she goes, no, but I think I have a good idea. And here's what she said. When I open my eyes in the morning, I ask the Lord to open my eyes of my understanding. While I am bathing, washing off the dirt of the day, I, ask that, I praise Christ that he has washed away my sins. While I am dressing, I, I, I state that my desire is to be clothed in the righteousness of Christ alone. As I am working, I pray that he will empower me with his strength that I may glorify him, even in the most menial of tasks. When I am eating, I ask God to give me a desire for the bread of life and to crave the pure milk of the word. As I sweep the house, I ask that he would continually cleanse me of all impure desires. While I am attending to the other children, I ask that God would always give me a childlike faith. When I end the day, I thank God that I can close my eyes because I know that he never will. This young lady made it a priority to start every day with God, she didn't stop there. Whatever her tasks were, she spent every day with God, and she ended every day with God. Let me just ask a question. Does that look a little different than your prayer life? Oh, listen, you might be good at praying before you go to bed. You might be good at praying before your meals. Don't get stuck in a rut that you're you're, you're not recognizing this opportunity that you have to say, God, I am dependent upon you. Any task that I do, I need you for. The truth is God wants his spirit blowing into our life with power every moment of every day. I don't know, I know a lot of people have boats, John boats, bass boats, house boats, pontoon boats. Anybody ever go sailing? Nobody? All right, you've got a couple in the back row there. See that hand, the bus is away, the bus is away. Um, I away. I, I am no expert at sailing. But I do remember an RA camp when I was about 10 years old that they had these little one-man and two-man sailboats. The problem was it was it was a pond with about 100 kids in these little one-man and two-man sailboats. It was like a sailboat demolition derby. <laughs> it was terrible. And so, you know, you you're sitting in it and it's it's I mean it's small. It's the size of the piano maybe diagonal. And you know you're you're leaning it out so that the wind would catch it and you could go because if you don't get the sail just right. You don't go anywhere. I mean, the wind could be blowing, but you, if you've got the, the sail at the wrong angle, it's a mess. So when we talk about sailing, here's the deal. The sail needs the sailors because the sail doesn't trim itself. The sail would just blow away, you know, if it's not connected to the boat. Uh, the sail can't make the boat go on its own. It needs to be trimmed by the sailors. The sailors can't make the boat go on its own. It needs the sail. The sail and the sailors need each other. And so if the wind blows and the sail and the sailors are not prepared, what happens to the boat? Nothing. I get blown over, but you don't have locomotion. You're not moving forward. Um, In the same sense, um, you you, you have to be prepared when it comes to prayer. Um, Prayer is, in this analogy, the sail that we hoist to um, garnish the power, the wind, Of the Spirit. Prayer is the sail that we hope to fill with the power of the Spirit. And here's what's awesome. When we talk about this whole idea of being dependent upon God, if you're a sailor, raising a sail is an act of dependence. You are admitting that you cannot do it, that you need the help of someone else. This is admitting we cannot do it on our own. We need the wind of His Spirit to move us. And here's the challenge. I think when it comes to our daily routine, okay, I don't know if you have punch list, task list, to-do list, whatever it is, but you've gotten so used to your routine that you really truly do think you don't need God to get through your day, right? Is that a fair thing to say? That there's just, we're so used to the status quo that you know what, God, if you just leave me alone, I think I'll get my day done just fine. What a terrible, and no one has ever voiced that But isn't that the secret idolatry in our own lives that we don't think that we need God? Hence, because we're not dependent, we are prayerless, and as a consequence, powerless. We're a boat that's spinning around in the lake, but it's not going anywhere. And so God wants our lives to manifest not just his agenda, not just his priority, but his power. Like the wind, I can't promise you that you're going to go anywhere fast. You might be on a leisurely cruise, but if you don't hoist the sail of prayer, you'll never go anywhere. It's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. So we want to uh, we want to recognize that uh, prayer is a way for us to voice our dependence, and that God expects prayer to be a natural and repetitive thing in our lives. Point number two. In verses nine and ten. Uh, We see that in the model prayer, if prayer is to have its proper place uh, in our lives, then our prayers must focus on God and His desires first. Guys, listen, one of the ways that we demonstrate our dependence in how we pray is by making God's priorities number one, not ours. Listen to verse 9 and 10. Jesus says, pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Here's what I love. The prayer begins with our Father. It doesn't start with El Shaddai, Jehovah Shalom, the Lord our peace, mighty God. It starts with Father. Prayer begins with with a relationship with God. But I want you to see the priorities that are established in verse 9 and 10. Three things that we see uh, that we are expressing desires for. We're expressing for reverence, for His name, for His kingdom, for His will. If you are all about yourself, you don't pray for anyone else's kingdom, will, or name besides your own. And so this is a way that we demonstrate our dependence by very practically making our prayers voice back that God is number one, not us. Not us. Here's the fatal question. Is your prayer life more about you or more about God? We already saw what the statistics say. We are hopelessly focused upon ourselves. And in that sense, we're no different than the pagans who are praying to the genie in the sky. A lot of times, even as Christians, we treat God the exact same way. friend. you cannot make yourself sovereign because nothing revolves around you and everything revolves around God. Anything less is idolatry. Point three, and finally, in verses 11 through uh, 13, we see that after we establish the priority of God first in prayer, then our prayers can rightly focus on ours and others' needs. Ours and others' needs. Uh, Verses 11 through 13 say it this way. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts. It's communal. Give us, not me, give us our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. There are three ways that we can even express dependence upon God in the way that we voice our needs. Okay, So we've said prayer is to teach us our absolute, total, and complete dependence upon God. God wants prayer to be uh, regular and natural and repetitive. We need to put God's desires first, but even in the way we voice our desires, we can be dependent. We express our dependence because we are dependent upon God for our daily bread, our provision. We need God to provide for us. We uh, demonstrate our dependence upon God by asking for pardon, forgive us our debts. We, we express our dependence upon God by asking him for protection. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. It's an amazing thing. Uh, we're not treating God like welfare. God, do something for me that I'm not willing to do for myself. When he asks for God to provide, he asks for, for bread. Implicit in that is not that God gives us something that we're unwilling to work for, but the ability to do a job, to earn money, to buy bread, which makes you think you did it. But here he's stating even the ability to work, to make money, to be able to buy bread, we recognize that it comes from your hands. Here's the thing that's amazing. Most of us stop with our physical needs. God help aunt whatever's kidney and cousin so-and-so's big toe. And -and so-and-so's pet, my second cousin twice removed on my great aunt's father's side's pet hamster, you know, heal it, whatever. We stop at physical provision. And yet, um, Jesus does something curious. He puts two ands in there. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we've forgiven our debtors and lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil. The idea is daily bread is not the only thing we need daily. We need pardon every day. We need protection every day. And so beyond your needs for physical sustenance, does your prayer life include these other things? God, help me to be, help me to live like a forgiven man. God, help me to, as a father, as a husband... To, to lead my family well so that I can say, as you lead me, I'm not leading my family into temptation. Uh, Father, help us to, to seek your provision, to seek your pardon, to seek your protection. And this protection is not, it's interesting. It says, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. They're in evil's grasp. It's interesting, in Matthew chapter four, uh, we see that um, the spirit coming upon Jesus at his baptism. says, so the spirit descended like a dove. In chapter 3, chapter 4, it says, Then the Spirit compelled Jesus to go into the wilderness where he was um, he fasted for 40 days and nights and then was tempted by the devil. Who sent him into the dry and weary place to be tempted? The Spirit did. It's not so much a, a uh, an amulet to be used against any kind of danger, but a preservation throughout that sometimes the Spirit is in charge of us going places where we don't want to go. Now, I want to stop here <clears throat> for just a second because I want to clarify something that I think is really important. We get obsessed with how tos. You know, am I doing it? Am I doing this right, God? You know, um, man. Listen, he's your dad. He loves to hear from your kids. Um, yeah, you can pray wrong, but I would rather just pray. Just pray. And if I'd rather you pray and get it wrong than than not pray at all. But here's the thing: I don't want you to mistake merely talking to God for a genuine and authentic relationship with Him. Listen, uh, it's been said that prayer will be in school as long as there are tests. You know, there's a truth to that. People say they want prayer back in school. It never left. It just the government <laughs> decreed. Uh, as long as there are tests in school, there will be prayer. And um, you don't have to be a Christian to pray. But that that kid who is unconverted that's in class with your fifth grade kid, your, your fifth grade son or daughter, uh, just because he's talking to God doesn't mean that he's in a relationship with him. Getting the how-tos and the whys and the purposes right in prayer doesn't make you a Christian. What makes you a Christian is recognizing the gospel message. That, the way that you get saved, is agreeing with God, acknowledging that you are a rebel. You might not be a blatant rebel. You might be an interior rebel, where I'm going to conform on the outside, but I'm going to rebel uh, on the inside. I'm just going to do it. And the, the Bible calls that sin. Sin. The way that we become in a relationship with God, all of us by nature are creatures of God. He made us. But only those who have repented and believed are children of God. And so listen, here's the danger. You can go to church and you can check mark all the stuff about prayer and not be a believer because you've never repented. You've never turned from your sin. You've never trusted in Christ. So guys, listen, getting prayer right Improving in your prayer life, absolutely essential for us as a Christian. But getting prayer right is not what makes you a believer. It's trusting in the gospel of God. Now, if you've trusted in the gospel of God, there are all kinds of ways, I think, to apply this to life. Do you start every day with God? If if what the news reports say are true there are probably more people that start their day with Facebook than start their day with God, right? So like minute you wake up, something had to have happened, and I'm so afraid of missing out. I got to check in on everybody, you know, and, and see what's going on. Why would you check in with people that you don't care about more frequently and naturally than you would check in with God? Do you start every day with God? Like the little teenage girl in our illustration, do you spend every day with God? Is every responsibility that you have an opportunity for you to express your dependence on God? God, I've got work to do today. Will you empower me to be able to do it with a happy heart? Will you make me not so focused on the task that I forget people? Will you allow me to be a blessing to others? Start every day with God. Spend every day with God. End every day with God. Whatever your family rhythms are, okay? Don't raise your hand. But are there, are there ways that prayer needs to have a role in your family that it doesn't right now? These are real, live questions that if you don't do anything about them in 2020, your prayer life at the end of the year will be no better than it was at the end of 2019. Are you willing to make God's priorities your priorities? Uh, Learn how to speak to him constantly throughout your day. Okay, listen, I know you might pray at your meal in in the middle of the day at lunch, but that doesn't mean that you can't pray at other times. Don't be so formalized that we know Um, We have to stand around the table, and we have to hold hands, and we have to... Yes, that's great. Do that. But do it all the other times, too. Find ways to spend every day with God in prayer. Not that you're developing calluses on your knees because you're bowing down every five minutes. You don't have to do that. But as you're doing your task, as you're driving where you need to go, as you're walking into the meetings, lifting up your needs and your dependence upon God. Last, I'd say this. Make it an issue of, of, of spiritual pride in a good sense, not in a bad sense. Bible says, let him who boasts, boast in the Lord. Make it something for you to boast in that you are dependent upon God. Guys, that's a terribly humbling thing to say. But you know what? I think every single one of us needs to let some of the air out of the balloon that's called our big ads. The world does not revolve around us. And I know everything in, in our culture strives to make you independent. The Bible says that's not a category for the Christian. We are dependent upon him every moment of every day. Make it a point in 2020 to say that you are glad to voice your dependence upon God because you don't have the resources in yourself to live in a way that's glorifying to God. I close with this scripture. 3 John, verse 2. 3 John's only one chapter. So I guess I could say 3 John, chapter 1. Verse two, John does something really neat. I think that this is a great verse to start off 2020 with. Here's what he says. He says, beloved, what a great way to address people. I used to do that and I forget who it was. Maybe it was Alan Patrick who made fun of me. He said, why do you call people beloved? I'm like, that's a great word to address brothers and sisters in Christ. Beloved, John loves these people, all of them. He says, beloved, I love you guys. God loves you guys. We are brothers and sisters in the faith because of Christ. Beloved. Beloved. I pray that all may go well with you. That's my prayer for you guys in 2020. Whatever 2020 holds, I pray that everything that's in store for you in 2020 is a blessing. Great prayer sounds like this wonderful, incredible blessing, and then he puts a little caveat on it. He says, I pray that all may go well with you and that you may be in good health physically as it goes well with your soul. And for a lot of us, he just turns that blessing into a curse. This is not a name it, claim it. This is not, you know, if you're sick, it's because you don't have enough faith. No, 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 no. What he's saying is that he is praying that you get what you deserve. It's terrible. He says, I pray that everything may go well with you to the degree that you see to the fitness and the holiness of your soul. This is, this is one of four lessons that we're going to look at. We're going to talk about how do we make worship meaningful? How do we make our time in the Word invaluable, something that's very dear to us? How do we make our witness more than what it has been? As we talk about putting first things first, these are four essential things. There's others that we could have picked and, and chosen. Um, these are really practical homework assignments for you because this is most definitely not just a sermon to listen to, but a sermon to live out to say God I want 2020 to be more prayerful. I want to experience power in prayer that I've not experienced before. And the Bible says that we have not because we ask not. So let's ask for big things. Would you pray with me please? Father, thank you for this word. Um, gosh, Father, you know even for me, I don't I don't want to be I don't want to be an imposition on anyone. I hate to ask for help. Um, I'm prideful, I'm stubborn. All these things that are bad about not just my nature, but our nature. Um, we don't want to be in anyone's, um, uh, we, we don't want to have to repay anyone. We kind of want to be on our own and independent. And yet, we cannot do that. You are the creator of our souls. You are the redeemer of our lives. And um, Father, we sang about following you wherever you would lead us to go. Uh, and yet, today, I can tell with my brothers and sisters, these beloved, gathered here in this room, that every single one of us needs a change of direction in our prayer life. Uh, I don't know that there's anyone here that would say, you know, I've arrived, I'm there, I, you know, I don't need to grow anymore. And so, Father, as we think about this very basic and essential thing, we've not done a how-to so much as we've talked about just learning to express our dependence upon you. Father, I pray that we won't see that as a curse word, we'll see that as one of the ba- biggest and greatest blessings of our life to be fully and completely dependent upon you, trusting you in good and in bad, Um, in sickness and in health, just like we take our wedding vows, that we will see your good hand in all of the situations of our life and that we will be glad to voice that we're happy to be your creatures and even more happy to be your children, dependent upon your power and your sovereign will that we might glorify your name in whose name we pray. Amen.